Isaiah chapter 60, which is where we were last week and we said we'd continue. And this particular chapter has so much in it and, and I've been teaching on it for many years, but also teaching right now quite extensively um, uh, on it uh, in uh, my podcast and YouTube stuff. It's so vital for our times. And believe it, I believe it really speaks to our times. So let's just go back into it and try and pick some things out of it. We could be here for literally months just going through verse by verse, but trying to pull out some things that I believe the Lord would have us look at. It says here, Arise, shine, for thy light's come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. Arise. The very first word opens up a whole vista to us of the, the, the thinking of the Lord and the purpose of God. And as we saw last week, verse 2, uh, there's great darkness covering the earth, gross darkness to people. So when he says arise, shine, he's speaking to that context. And we could say that this word speaks to us today in a time of great darkness. A time when our nation uh, seems to be, and not just our nation, but the whole planet, is full of fear and uh, gloom and misery and virtual hopelessness. Many have been tempted to feel hopeless in the last few months. And, and here's the thing which we're all aware of, is that we've been warning about these things for years and heard warnings about them for years, depending even what part of the, the, the church you belong to and the, and the end times emphasis, whether it's historicist or futurist or post-millennial or amillennial, we, we all know that, 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 that a crisis is going to be coming. And we're in that crisis now. And it's hit some people very hard. People that I know who are very strong in the faith, they really wallow. Not because they didn't expect this, but they didn't expect it so fast, and they didn't expect it so sudden, and they didn't expect it so great and scary. Now, here's the thing, regardless of your eschatology, which is the, the view of the last times, and probably everybody in this room has different, even if similar. We all have our own opinion in the end times, don't we? But the only thing that counts is the Lord. But there are certain, the Lord's uh, word, not his opinion. God doesn't have opinions. He has his word and his purpose. We have opinions. But he is truth and he knows truth. And so he doesn't have to have an opinion. But we, we may have different views in the end times. But one thing's for certain is this. The devil's still around and he's still trying to do damage to God's creation. And he's still trying to suppress God's people. And he's still trying, via the kingdom of darkness, to quell and suppress the work of God's kingdom on earth. Regardless of what millennial view and end times view you hold. And so we're in a time of great darkness. But what is our response to that? What is our response in the Lord to that? Because the human response for many, I mean, including Christians in this, has been one of fear and worry and, you know, um, sad to say, submission to government authorities who are using this pandemic, 
and I use that word deliberately, to bring about an agenda which is anti-God, anti-Christ. And if you don't believe such a conspiracy exists, you, you haven't read Psalm 2 in a while. Okay? And we don't have time to read it, but read it. It clearly says that a conspiracy. We have read it here uh, uh, many times when I've been down. There is a conspiracy. It's not a, a human idea. God says there's a conspiracy. And the reason being is that they, they are trying to throw off governments of the world, rulers of the, the earth, are trying to throw off the cords and restraints that, that, that are placed upon them by two things. This book, and you and I insisting that this book be the way that we are governed, and the thing that we're governed by, and the standard that we're governed by. And that's why when we talk about Britain being a Christian nation, for many, many years, we, we turn to this book for guidance in terms of laws and the way that we conduct ourselves uh, in our society. But in recent times, uh, there's been a, not just an erosion of that, there's been an obliteration of much of that. So some people say we live in a post-Christian Britain. And it's not just Britain, we see the same thing in America. Now, all these things are known to us. So what is our response? What do we do? And the answer, of course, is uh, that we pray. And we pray for all men, and we pray for kings and those that have authority, as we've said, because that's the, the divine answer. And if you maybe meet the prayer meetings as I have, and they pray for everything, but what God says, pray for, as the priority. Paul said, I exhort them, for first of all, that prayers and intercessions and supplications be made for these things that are important to God. But we pray for Auntie Jeannie Soto, and we pray for our wee circle of friends, and us four and no more, and all that stuff. But we don't pray in accordance or in alignment with the purpose of God and the revelation of his word. But this chapter here gives us the answer to what we do when there's great darkness. And here it is here, he says, and, and here's a paradox. Because he says, arise and shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. He says, there's darkness covering the earth, gross darkness of people, but the Lord shall arise upon thee. I know we looked at this last week, but there are some things that, that I want us to continue to look at. And his glory shall be seen upon thee. Now here's the thing, it, to arise and shine, you don't have anything to shine with. Do we? Let's be honest. Because, you know, a lot of people, and we hear it in the world all the time, you know, uh, you know, let your star shine brightly and, and show the greatness that's in you, all that stuff. Which is just human ideas talking about the greatness that's in you. Well, there's no greatness in you. That's the sad thing to say. And, well, we can improve ourselves. Self-improvement is of the devil. Okay, God has an answer to the human problem and the answer is crucifixion. That's the, answer to, that's the answer to every problem you have, to be crucified. Those little weaknesses and infirmities and so on. Let's just be blunt and say sins. And God's answer is 
to crucify the old man with his affections and loss and nail that old man, that Adamic man, to the tree. Why? So that the Christ in you, the hope of glory, can have unfettered sway in you and through you. So when he says arise, saying, he's not saying, no, you've got greatness in you. Just, just let, it, let, let it be seen to the world. No, no. He's talking about him shining his light in you, upon you, and through you. It's his glory, not ours. That's what I'm trying to say. And you say, well, that's 101 stuff. We know that. But a lot of people need reminded of that because a lot of people rely on their skills, their talents, even their giftings, even their giftings in God. Oh, God has gifted me with a wonderful voice. I just need to arise and shine and show the world on Do you understand? He's not saying, show yourself. He's saying, show Jesus. You want to put on a show, show him. Right, we know that. We should know that. So, so there's a paradox here because he's saying you need to do something. You know, if you're hiding your light under a bushel, you're not arising and shining. But it's not your light, it's his light in you. Does that make sense? I know I'm emphasising that. The reason I'm doing that is because that word arise is a peculiar word. Not peculiar, it's, just, it's, it's a fascinating word, that's what I mean. It's a Hebrew word which has multiple applications. Like I said that last week. And when we hear the word arise, we are think, we, 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 we conscious, our thinking is a vertical arising, as in, say, you're lying in your bed. And then you arise or get up. And that is a meaning of that word, but it's not the only meaning of that word. The word is found in Deuteronomy chapter 8, where, and it's used as established or stand up, or we could say, show yourself. Or we could say, step into who you really are. And that's what this nation needs right now. It's for God's people to arise and shine. To, to be the believers, to be the Christians, to be the representatives or the representations of Christ that we're supposed to be. The world doesn't have the answers to COVID-19. The world doesn't have the answers to the ramifications of that whether the, the virus is, is a great threat or not, governments have used the virus to lock down, clamp down, and guess who's the ones, who are the ones paying the most price for that? It's the church. And we need strong believers. We need men like Spurgeon, like John Knox, like George Whitfield. We need men who won't bow the knee to Baal and we won't just have imposed upon them the will of an ungodly government. Now I'm not advocating rebellion. Rebellion is a totally different thing. There's a fine line between resistance of tyranny and outright rebellion. And that line might have to be discerned on a mercurial ongoing basis, but there is a line. So you should not hear from this pulpit or any other Leaders, preachers, pastors telling you to defy and rebel against the government, but you also need to be mature enough to understand 
there may come a time where defying the government is the only godly response. We, we've had lockdown and now we're coming out of lockdown. But the, the right or the ability to assemble has been denied us for a few months. But you know, there have been times in Britain where that's been the case. Up in Scotland, we had the Covenanters, and they had to meet in secret because they were forbidden to assemble. So, this business of being forbidden to assemble is nothing new. And God is saying to us, Arise, shine. In other words, step into that place I've called you to be, which is of necessity, brothers and sisters, a place of maturity and a place of consecration and say, you know, when I, since I was young, I've heard the warnings that times like this might come. I was sharing this morning, I've shared in our places, that when I was a young believer, you would hear things like, in this nation, again, men and women and children will lose their lives for being Christians for the faith. And in recent years, you might thought, well, that's a bit extreme. That'd be okay, we understand the sentiment there. But, you know, we're so progressive. We've, we've advanced beyond, you know, there'll never be killing times again. There'll never be people martyred for their faith. Not in Britain. You would have said four months ago if I'd said that. That's a bit extreme. He, he's, he's really been over the top. He's been a bit overzealous. Let me ask anyone in this room, in the last four months. Would you say that now? See what we've seen. Because the lawlessness, the spirit of lawlessness that has abounded, not only in Britain, but America and other places. Look at the very tame, timid, and pathetic responses of governments to the rebellion and lawlessness we've seen in our streets. And, and we were speaking about it before the service this whole business of taking the knee. You thought, oh, that's just showing solidarity. No, taking the knee shows who you worship. Because bending the knee is what worship is in this book. And that's why it says there's coming a day when every knee shall bow, every knee shall bow, and every tongue confess. So our enemies understand these things more than we do sometimes, I think. And it is all about this. Everything in life, everything in society, everything in culture, everything about government, everything about how we live our lives, where we live our lives, all of it comes down to one thing. Who or what do you worship? And if who you worship is not acceptable to governing authorities, to media, to all kinds of people, you will be attacked for that. And that's why there is resistance to our message, resistance to our very presence here in Britain. And that's why the, the spiders, and it's not all doom and gloom. And we can, we can take this view and it become, it can shape and form a worldview that because we're Christians, no one likes us and, and we're despised and rejected of all men. There's a truth to that, but it's not the only truth, which is why we have had revivals and awakenings and outpourings and God has moved mightily. And that's why if you want Britain to be more what you remember, but better, you need to start praying. More fervently. More urgently. 
uh, more determinedly than ever before. That boils down to the message that I've really preached wherever I go these days, more prayer. Not just desperate prayer, but we are in desperate times, but, but, but prayer that, that, that lays hold of God in, in faith believing. Because it's not all doom and gloom. Because in the midst of great darkness, God says, I'll put my glory upon you. My glory will rise upon you. But does anybody here really believe that that's going to happen without prayer? And without consecrating ourselves and saying, look, if I was ever a fervent believer, I'm going to be that. Now, it's not about work. It's not about striving. It's just about saying, I'm going to arise. That word arise. I'm going to present myself before the Lord. I'm going to get up in the morning. I'm going to, I'm going to be the believer that I'm supposed to be. And, and let me just say this, just by making that decision, you'll begin to shine. You'll begin to see the glory. The Lord, I believe, wants to pour out his glory more than any of us want to receive it. But we have to position ourselves. Now, let's just very quickly close this off. Uh, there's lots of stuff here that in this chapter, I just wish I had time to get into it all. Um, but it just says, now look at this, just, just very quickly. It says here, Thy gate shall be open continually, shall not be shut day nor night. Doesn't that speak to us today? When we've had our gates shut, our doors firmly shut, and told you cannot open them. Why would gates be open all the time? One reason. Revival. Amen? Our gates shall be open day or night. Men may bring unto you the forces of the Gentiles. That word forces means wealth, but it also means People, hosts of people, multitudes of people, and their kings may be brought. The nation kingdom that will not serve thee shall perish, yea, those nations shall be utterly wasted. Uh, I, I could go into all that and what that means right now at this time. Just don't have the time. Look, it says, The sons also of them, verse 14, that afflicted thee shall come bending unto thee, and all they that despise thee shall bow themselves down at the soles of thy feet. Let me just say this that there's a Bible student that knows probably more than you and I about this book. He knows every word, and it's the devil. And I believe the devil's mocking us with this bending knee stuff, because he knows this isn't God's will. Just like the verse that says, every knee shall bow to Jesus. So the devil would have you and I bow to every stupid idea, ism, ideology, and nonsense, and be persecuted if you don't. And that's what's happening. Alright? But look at the promise of God. He says, you're not to bow. But, but you have to be bowed down to. Now that doesn't mean to say we all got a big head and think, you know. It's, he's, he's using uh, metaphoric language to say that people should be bowing down to this book and to our faith. Uh, and and we're not to follow their ideologies, but they're to follow this book in, the, in our God. Does that make sense? Like I said, that's what it all comes down to. That's what the dispute they have with you is, because you bow the knee to Christ. You worship the Lord Jesus. You are a Christian. You're a follower of the Lord Jesus. You declare Jesus as Lord. The devil hates that, and so do those influenced by him. And if you go on, but, but look at, if you read the chapter, please do that in your own time if you haven't, because it, there's far more good news than bad. We just don't have time to, to cover some of the wonderful things here. 
But the promise is, even in the last verse of the chapter, a little one shall become a thousand and a small one a strong nation. I, the Lord, will hasten in his time. God's saying, I've got multiplication in mind for you, which is that rather you, social distancing will become impossible because I will fill your churches. I will fill your meeting halls. You say, but we have to social distance. No, they don't have to social distance at the Black Lives Matter and Antifa protests, do they? And they don't all wear masks. And they don't care about the rules. And here's the thing. When they do that and they flout the so-called rules, the government doesn't punish them for it. Because they're running with the same spirit. That's why we need to pray for change in government. Because the same spirit of lawlessness is in our governments. That's the problem. That's why there's been no real clampdown on the rebellion that we've seen in our streets. Because it's the same spirit. Let me just say this. Devils of the same spirit run together and hang together and flock together. Maybe the old saying, birds of a feather. Okay. Psalm 149. Let's just close with, with very quick commentary on these things here. Um, you say, well, you know, we have, to, we have to obey the government, you know. And, and yes, as much as our conscience allows us to, and, and yes, some of the some of the things that the government says, oh, but it's for our safety. Well, it may be for our safety, okay. But you know, here's the thing: there are places tonight where I, I don't know what your limit is here in Scotland. We're not allowed any more than fifty meet in the church at one time. But they don't have that in other meeting things that are not church. Does that make sense? There's no limits on pubs or clubs or all these places or McDonald's. But look here, this is what this is what I'm trying to get across to you. Psalm 149. And we don't have time to read it all. So it says, verse 5, let the saints be joyful in glory, let them sing aloud upon their beds. Look at verse 6. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth. Are you allowed to praise God with that? Are you allowed to have the high praises of God tonight here? Because I've I, I noticed the singing, it's muffled, beauty singing. Or, the high praises of God. And that verse that says, Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. You're not allowed to praise God with a loud voice. I'm not being anti-government, I'm simply saying that behind some of these so-called protocols there's far more than just your safety and so-called in mind. Am I right? The high praises of God be in their mouth. Here's what I'm trying to say. People who are enemies of God and especially of course uh, the devil and, and, and his minions they know and they know the potency of them the power of them they know the purpose of them and that is why so much of what we're supposedly allowed, disallowed to do is centered around the things of this book that make a difference and do damage to the kingdom of darkness let the high praises of God be in their mouth well we can't do that in phase 3 we're singing but we're not you know, I'm not saying we should all go about shouting, that's not what I mean. But that, that it's praises that the devil wants to stop. 
Virus or no virus, lockdown or no lockdown. Then he says, and a two-edged sword in their hand. Well, but this is a two-edged sword. And if you, if you go and study it, particularly Greek, it means two-mouthed. Which means God has spoken his word, and you and I take up his word, and we speak it too, because this sitting in your bookcase and your coffee tables has no power until you put it in your mouth. And begin to pray it and speak it and proclaim it and sing it. Let the high priest of God be in their mouth, a two-edged sword in their hand. Why? We need to hurry this up because we've got community. To execute vengeance upon the heathen or the nations and punishments upon the people. To bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. Or let me put it this way. To make Westminster and every other part of the government follow the word of God in terms of law, legislation, and the principle of these things. That's what this book is given us for, as a tool of dominion in the earth. To call politicians and leaders to account and say, bow the knee to King Jesus, kiss the sun lest he be angry. Don't be anti-God, don't be anti-Christ, but follow this book. That's our job. And it says, to execute upon them the judgment written. This honour have all his saints. It's not for pastors, it's not for uh, preachers, it's not for leaders. It's every saint, the lowest saint, the weakest saint has this honour. To say to those who lead us governmentally, you must Turn to this book. You must bow the knee to Christ. You must honour our Creator and honour the Lord Jesus and follow his leading in his guidance and declare him King and Lord over the nation. And if you don't, we're going to pray you out and bring in people who will do that. That's our role. And we need to see that as our role. And we need to get busy doing it and serious about doing it. Amen. Well, the Lord, we've run out of time, so the Lord bless you in that. Uh, and we're now going to take uh, communion uh, and come to the Lord's table together. Amen.